Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece chicken McNuggets, juicy quarter pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hey, Active Podcast listeners. Did you know for just a dollar a month, you can get ad-free and early release episodes of Active Shooter, the podcast? Just head on over to www.patreon.com slash activethepodcast and pledge $1 a month and receive a shout-out on the show, early release episodes, and ad-free episodes. Now on to today's episode. Speaking of shout-outs, we want to give a huge shout-out to Rebecca Manners for joining our Patreon. We really appreciate your support, Rebecca. Welcome to Active Shooter, the podcast. After decades now of mass shootings, mass shootings, mass shootings, we haven't found the answer. A tribute to the victims of two mass shootings. A tribute to the victims of two mass shootings. Thank you for listening to Active Shooter, the podcast. You are listening to Active Shooter a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language, and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised. There were just a few minutes left in class. A man dressed in black and carrying two handguns and a shotgun walked in to the auditorium and opened fire on the students, on the underclassmen. Witnesses say he did not say a word. He just started shooting. About 150 students, mainly freshmen and sophomores, were in the geology class when the gunman walked on stage, standing about 40 feet from the grad student instructor. Then he aimed at the center of the auditorium, shooting at the students. It was Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2008 just after 3 p.m. at the Northern Illinois University Lecture Hall, known as Cole Hall, located in DeKalb, Illinois. About 120 students were sitting in a class called Geology 104, Introduction to Ocean Sciences, which was being taught by a graduate student. There were many aspiring teachers in the class, as well as a plethora of students who were studying different majors. There was about five minutes left in class, and some students were eagerly awaiting dismissal so they could rush home to get ready for Valentine's Day dinner plans. While others were preparing to rush off to their next class, out of nowhere, a man appeared on the stage of a large lecture hall wearing brown lace-up boots, jeans, a black t-shirt, with the word terrorist printed over an image of an assault rifle, also a coat and a black knit hat. The man immediately opened fire killing five students and injuring 21 before turning the gun on himself and pulling the trigger. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We'll be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story while remaining true to our pledge and not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as Adam. Adam had entered the lecture hall through a side door before leaping onto the stage and killing and injuring innocent students. He started firing from the stage and then proceeded to walk up and down the aisles of the lecture hall, pulling the trigger. 
The professor and the students in the front row were, unfortunately, his first victims. Some students reported that they originally thought this was some evil prank. It didn't take them long to realize, though, that this was not a prank and the class was under attack. Witnesses later said that Adam walked up and down the aisles of the hall calmly and unemotionally, not phased at all that he was taking the lives of innocent people. It was chaos as people were running, screaming, falling over one another. Gunshots and you're like army crawling up. I just kept thinking over and over and over, I'm going to die. I still can't even grasp it. Like, it comes in waves. Adam started with a sawed-off shotgun and fired all six bullets that were loaded into the gun before the attack. When a person saws off the barrel of a shotgun, it makes the bullets travel faster, creating more destruction. Sawing off the barrel also makes the shotgun easier to conceal, which Adam did in this massacre, concealing the weapon in a guitar case. He carried the shotgun in, in a guitar case. He had a coat on over top of the belt that carried the weapons and the ammunition that he had. So no one would have seen that. After shooting all of the bullets, he moved on to his handguns. He had three of them with him, located on his person in a holster. Also had a spring-loaded knife. The first 911 call came through at 3.06 p.m. after Adam already killed himself. Just nine minutes later, the police were able to confirm that the campus was secured from any future threat. Some students were still in their seats when police arrived, literally frozen with fear, unsure what to do. The police and medical providers immediately started tending to the victims and attempted to get witness statements from the students that had witnessed this terrible attack. Uh, I was sitting third row in the, um, in the classroom, and the guy walked in through the, um, through the kind of the teacher's exit, just walked from there with a shotgun and started shooting people. I fell to the ground, army crawled halfway up, got up and just sprinted, and there's this guy who was shot who was running in front of me, and we just ran to the student center. And then I got off, or I got on a bus and just got out of there. And when we're out, someone was like, keep running, he's reloading his gun. And I, at first, I couldn't believe it was happening, but then I was like, oh, my God, I have too much to do in life to die today. I'm sorry. So I just ran. It was chaos. Um, I was on the ground. I got trampled. My, my back had, like, bruises on it. People stepped on everyone. You're just trying to get out. Everyone was screaming and running, and it was really scary. I'm not going back anytime soon, I'll tell you that right now. At least not for, I'm not going back anytime next week. I don't even want to go back. I'm scarred for life. Some victims were shot multiple times and needed to get to the hospital quicker than others. Three of the students were pronounced dead at the scene. There was just no saving them, and two others died later at the hospital. One victim died at the Kishwaukee Hospital, and the other victim died at St. Anthony's Hospital. Of the 21 victims injured, 17 were injured by gunfire, and 4 were injured by ways other than gunfire, such as by flying shrapnel or by injuring themselves while trying to run from the massacre. 17 victims were taken to Kishwaukee Community Hospital, and 6 of the 17 victims were in critical condition and needed to be airlifted to other hospitals. Most of the injuries that the victims suffered were to the head and chest, as that was an open target since the students were sitting at desks. I was just in the back, you know, uh, I was on the, was on the right side, because in the, in the hall there's three sections, the left, the middle, and the right. And I was on the right side um, as you enter, and uh, I, was sitting, I was sitting next to my friend. It was like 15 minutes left in class, and uh, I looked down 
and was ready to get my book bag ready to go. And when I looked up, there was, there was two people on the stage. One was my professor, and one was a shooter. And I didn't—I don't remember hearing any gunshots or anything, but I did uh, see a shotgun, and uh, he shot it twice. And by the second time, I was right. I ran off along with the crowd, and uh, basically dropped my book bag because I was still trying to get it out the door with me, but I couldn't. Uh, ran to the closest building, which was uh, Neptune, and halfway there. Um, I tried to like brush my hair, uh, just slick it back, um, and that's when I looked at my hand and it was just it was covered in blood. I got hit um, with there was three pellets from the shotgun uh, that actually isn't um, supposedly in my head. Um, they also found that there was just like just some uh, residue like from the shotgun shells or even possibly the pellets just um, around my head area and even uh, a little bit at the neck, um, so. At this point, I think right now I'm just just trying to take it all in. And I mean, you always hear about it. And um, when, it, when it struck at Northern, like even, even then, what if I wasn't, like what if I had missed class that day and the paper said 14 casualties or whatever the number was, I wouldn't have been one of them. But the fact that I'm one of them, I mean, actual casualty is, is like I said, is shocking, surprising that you know, I happened to go to class in that moment and part of the casualty list. But now I know that, you know, it could happen to anybody. Time is short. Um, so, you know, you gotta do your best. Get out there, finish what you can, you know, and, and just be true to yourself, you know, because, you know, don't change just because something like this happens. Even You, guys, you just gotta stay strong. After each victim was checked out, medics gave them a priority number for transport to make sure that the victims with more severe injuries were tended to first. At 4.10 p.m., the school announced that the campus was closed to complete an investigation. The police had already found six spent shotgun shells and 48 spent shell casings after their investigation was just beginning. Adam took the lives of five innocent people that day while injuring several more. Each victim that tragically lost their life was just following life's plan and had their entire future ahead of them until it was so selfishly taken away on that Valentine's Day afternoon. Gail Dubowski was 20 years old from Carroll Stream, Illinois. She loved anything and everything to do with the arts, including acting and school musicals. While in high school, she sang soprano for the Glenbard North High School Choir. She had a close relationship with her brother and teachers commented that she was always making them smile. Gail also enjoyed doodling cartoon characters, something she not only enjoyed, but was also very good at. She was part of the campus ministry, and that previous summer, she worked as a counselor at a church camp. Others described Gail as being a very sweet and genuine person. She died while being airlifted to the hospital. Gail was a sophomore at Northern Illinois University. Juliana Gahant was 32 years old from Meridian, Illinois. She went to Mendota Township High and then went to join the Army. While in the Army, Juliana worked as a military carpenter and traveled the world, even building a school in Tonga, as well as other third world countries. After serving 12 years in the Army, Juliana decided that she wanted to pursue a degree in education. She really wanted to be a second grade teacher. Everyone that met her fell in love with her. She was kind and mature and lit up every room that she entered. Juliana especially enjoyed watching Dancing with the Stars on TV with her mother. 
She enjoyed the competition show so much, she took a ballroom dancing class at the university. Catalina Garcia was 20 years old. Her friends and family referred to her simply as Katie. Katie was from Cicero, Illinois, and her parents were immigrants. They came to America to provide a better life for their four children, which Katie was the youngest of. While in high school, she was an honor student, ran track, was part of the yearbook staff, and a member of the modern dance team. She graduated from Morton East High School in 2006 and then enrolled at Northern Illinois University. Katie's older brother had gone to NIU, and he enjoyed it, so she thought she would follow in his footsteps. She enjoyed listening to music, dancing, and was described as being shy and very smart. Like Juliana, Katie too wanted to be a teacher. Most that knew Katie knew that her favorite color was pink. No one was surprised when she was buried in a pale pink coffin, wearing a pink ball gown and a tiara. A student killed at Northern Illinois University last month wanted to be a teacher, so tonight a classroom was dedicated in her honor. Catalina Garcia graduated from Morton East High School in Cicero. She was one of five people who died in the Valentine's Day shooting. Today, the town honored the 20-year-old's memory by dedicating a room at the Cicero Community Center in her name. Officials presented her family with a plaque and placed one with Garcia's name outside the classroom. The community of one of the NIU shooting victims is paying tribute to her. Tonight in Cicero, a classroom was dedicated to Catalina Garcia. She was killed during the shooting rampage on campus last month. A plaque in her memory now hangs at the community center, and her family says it is a fitting honor. Kindergarten students, which is uh, kindergarten first grade, which is the, the, the grade that my sister wanted to teach, years from now will be able to come here and, and, and look at her picture and know who she was. And I believe that is a great step and, and a great honor for, for our family and for my sister. The plaque says, live, love, and laugh. The Garcia family says that captures Catalina's spirit. A special dedication and tribute to Catalina Garcia, the Cicero native killed during the shootings at NIU. Catalina was attending Northern Illinois University, studying to be a first grade teacher when she was killed by a gunman. Tonight, the town of Cicero dedicated classroom number one in its new state-of-the-art community center to Catalina. It's definitely a great honor. My family, we're humble people. Uh, we kind of shine away from the light a little bit. And, and this is a, definitely a great honor for, for my sister, for my family. A scholarship fund in honor of Catalina Garcia has been set up aimed at helping students interested in education. Details on how you can contribute can be found on our website at NBC5.com. Ryan Mace was a 19-year-old psychology major at Northern Illinois University. Ryan was an only child with no siblings and worked hard to maintain all A's in all of her classes. In her spare time, she knitted baby blankets and baby jackets. Ryan grew up in Carpentersville, Illinois, and graduated from Dundee High School. While in high school, she was a member of the French Club, which would earn her a small scholarship to the university. Ryan's roommate would later comment how she was always studying really hard, staying up late writing papers and reading textbooks. On the day of the shooting, Ryan updated her MySpace page, wishing everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Her mom now advocates for what she refers to as common sense gun laws. I think I've come to peace with the fact that she's gone. Um, and it's taken quite a while to do it and it rips around the edges almost every day. But it's, it's what I've got to accept. She's, she's not here with us anymore. Ryan went to uh, Dundee Crown and um she graduated in 2006, and she decided to go to Northern Illinois, I believe mostly because of its proximity. She had a boyfriend, and 
I think that was actually a factor in her deciding, but she also checked it out and saw that it was a good program for psychology. She was really into just helping people out and, you know, she had a real tolerance for listening to problems. Oh, she loved it. She was having the time of her life. Um, she had a job and she was going to school full time. The only male victim of the tragedy was 20-year-old Dan Parmeter. Dan died protecting his girlfriend. At six feet, five inches tall, he was a large human shield, taking the bullets that were quite possibly meant for his girlfriend. Dan grew up in Elmhurst, Illinois, and was born with a heart defect. As a toddler, Dan had heart surgery to correct the defect. His parents always referred to him as their miracle child. Unfortunately, on February 14, 2008, Dan wasn't so lucky. He attended York High School, where he played football, and he was very successful at it. While in high school, Dan fractured his back and was told not to play football anymore, so he took up rugby, which was just as, if not more physical than football. Dan was a strong Christian who attended church. He was a finance major and part of the Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity. Just hours earlier, he spoke to his mom and sister, wishing them both a happy Valentine's Day. Dan sustained two gunshots to his head, two in his back, and one in the side. Northern Illinois University was founded in 1895 and was first referred to as the Northern Illinois State Normal School. In 1921, the school's name changed to Northern Illinois State Teachers College, and then in 1955, the name would change yet again to Northern Illinois State College, and in 1957, was changed to Northern Illinois University, which is what the school is still known as to this day. The college has over 17,000 students, including undergraduate students, graduate students, and law students. The school employs over 3,000 faculty and staff, and the campus itself covers 755 acres. Included in that 755 acres are 64 major buildings and additional off-campus sites. Northern Illinois University is the city of DeKalb's largest employer and is the third largest campus in the state of Illinois. The city of DeKalb is found about 55 miles west of downtown Chicago and has a population of over 42,000. When the school started, it was concentrated on educating teachers. Today, there are over 100 undergraduate programs. At one point in time, Northern Illinois University was ranked the 30th top college in the United States. Northern Illinois University. Grit. Determination. Tenacity. We are Huskies. Champions. In the classroom. In competition. In life. We are Northern Illinois University. Learning today. Leading tomorrow. In December of the previous year, police found threats written on a campus bathroom stall. There were racial slurs and references to the Virginia Tech shooting, but investigators later concluded that the shooting at Northern Illinois University and the threats on campus were not related. We will be right back after these short messages. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit. Four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. 
Adam was born on August 26, 1980, in Elk Grove, Illinois. Throughout his entire life, Adam was known as an outstanding student, earning himself straight A's in class. A sociology grad student while at Northern last spring was an excellent student, winning high accolades from professors and peers alike. He grew up in a relatively normal household, as so many of the shooters we do cover, with a mom, dad, and an older sister. His dad was a mail carrier, and his mom was a secretary. His older sister studied at the University of Illinois. Adam always felt like he was in competition with his older sister, and she always seemed to be more successful than he would ever be. Even though he was an exceptional student, he was still displaying impulsive behavior in his home. As a teenager, Adam was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and was treated for mental illness at the Elk Grove Village Thresholds, Mary Hill House Psychiatric Center. Because according to his family, he was being unruly at home. Growing up was not easy for Adam, and he was continuously bullied. He was hospitalized for suicide attempts and threats an astounding six times before he ever graduated high school. Adam was always being teased at school for being crazy and suicidal. His parents always sought medical attention for him, but it never really seemed to help. On April 8, 1997, Adam's parents asked the school to do a case study evaluation on their son as they became increasingly concerned with his behavior. The school denied this request and just gave the worried parents a book about students with disabilities. This is yet another tragic failure in America's mental health system. Adam was known to have participated in destructive activities while in school. He would light chemicals on fire, blow things up, shoot his pellet gun at cars driving by, and would make Drano bombs. While in middle school, Adam's mother called the police because she found items to make Drano bombs in his backpack, and she was concerned. The police questioned Adam, but no arrests or charges came from the incident. In 11th grade, he showed his friends a business card from the KKK and further got into trouble for spray-painting swastikas on concrete pipes. After graduating from Elk Grove High School in 1998, he spent three years in and out of different treatment programs and group homes for psychiatric patients. Adam enlisted in the Army in September of 2001. He enjoyed the strict structure of the military and thought that he would thrive in that environment. Unfortunately, in February of 2002, Adam was discharged from the Army before he even finished basic training. When filling out his application for the Army, he lied and stated that he had never been treated for mental illness. When the Army had found out that he indeed had been treated for mental illness, they made him leave. Since his military career didn't pan out the way he thought it would, Adam decided to enroll in college. He began school at Northern Illinois University in August of 2002. Adam lived in a dorm suite with three other students. His former roommates all described Adam the same. Strange. He rarely ever came out of his room except to eat and go to class. He never participated in the normal college activities like parties and sporting events. He just stayed in his room and played video games. When he did speak, he would talk glowingly about Adolf Hitler, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and other known killers. While at NIU, he was the vice president of the NIU chapter of the American Correctional Association. In 2004, Adam's family relocated to Florida, but Adam decided to stay in Illinois to continue his schooling. He received the Dean's Award from NIU and graduated in May of 2006. However, Adam decided to stay in DeKalb and enroll as a graduate student in sociology at NIU. Adam realized that he would like to pursue a master's degree in criminology, but Northern Illinois University had recently cut back on their advanced classes in criminology. 
and many of them were removed from their course catalog. Shortly after realizing this, Adam just quit going to his classes because the credits wouldn't transfer to the University of Illinois, and he didn't see much point in continuing. Adam decided he would get an advanced degree from the University of Illinois in Champaign, which was three hours away from DeKalb, Illinois. In June of 2007, Adam decided to make the move to Champaign, Illinois, and his on-and-off-again girlfriend decided to follow him. We will refer to her as his girlfriend to clear up any confusion for the rest of the episode. They moved into an apartment together, but their relationship was rocky, to say the least. The pair shared the rent, but decided to sleep in separate bedrooms. From September 24th, 2007 through October 10th, 2007, he worked at the Rockville Correctional Facility for Women as a corrections officer, and although he seemingly had no reason for quitting, he just stopped showing up. According to his girlfriend, Adam quit taking his medicine for about three weeks before the shooting. He said that they made him feel like a zombie, and it was hard for him to function. In the fall of 2007, Adam wrote an essay about whether people on antipsychotic meds should be allowed to buy and use firearms. Starting around Christmas of 2007, Adam started isolating himself again, but this time was worse than anyone had ever seen before. His behavior became even more impulsive, and his OCD tendencies became more apparent. Adam began washing his hands more than 20 times a day. He would wash the television remote if anyone else touched it, and he had an obsession with the number three. He also started acting erratically and started sending his friends and family bizarre emails, talking about planning world domination and mass murder. Unfortunately, no one said anything about this behavior, and it went unreported. The firearms were purchased legally, in a manner of speaking. Adam lied on his firearm application and said that he had been off medication for five years, thereby making the purchases legal. We now know this was obviously not true, but without anyone following up on whether this was accurate or not, this man was able to legally purchase a firearm he had no right possessing. He bought his firearms locally at Tony's Guns and Ammo, and he also purchased a spring-loaded knife. Now, Champagne is where authorities say he legally bought two of the four weapons used in the shooting rampage at NIU. Once he received the shotgun, he sawed off the barrel of the firearm. Just two days before Adam carried out the shootings, he received 29mm Glock magazines in a handgun holster that he had purchased online. He purchased the items from the same website that the Virginia Tech shooter bought his firearm from. Shortly before Adam carried out the shooting, his girlfriend was able to talk him into going to see a psychiatrist, who put him back on medications. It wasn't long, however, before he stopped taking the medication yet again. At this point, Adam was plainly out of control. He was having sex with women he met online and would frequently go to the erotic seekers section on Craigslist. Though they had their ups and downs, his girlfriend said that Adam was never violent. The person that I knew was not the one that walked into Cole Hall and did that. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't I knew and he was he was anything but a monster. He was probably the nicest, most caring person ever. She admitted she knew about him having sex with strangers, but there was nothing that she could do or say because their relationship was so up and down it wouldn't have done any good. Days before the shooting, Adam told his girlfriend that he was going to visit his sick godfather in Dakab. Once he was back in Dakab, he checked into a travel lodge where he stayed for three days leading up to the shooting. 
He also put together a package for his girlfriend, which contained books, gifts, and an engagement ring, along with one final note to her. She received this package shortly after the shooting, after Adam was already dead. Tragically, Adam's mom died from ALS in September of 2006, although he wasn't particularly upset about his mom's death and he hadn't been close to her in years. He thought that his mother hated him and that she was afraid of him, which she very well could have been. His father was still alive at the time of the shooting, living in Florida in a retirement community where he was bombarded by the media who were trying to get a statement from him. His father came out onto his porch and through tears begged the media to go away. Please leave me alone. I have no statement to make and no comment. Okay? I appreciate that. This is a very hard time. I'm a diabetic and I don't want to go into a repentance. After the shooting, classes were canceled for the rest of the week, as well as the week following the shooting. Dorms, however, remained open, and there were seven grief counseling centers set up on campus, and grief counseling hotlines were established. The governor declared a state of emergency for the city, which opened up the governor's disaster fund, which was available to the victims of the shooting. The hospital where the victims were taken reserved their conference room just for victims' family members so they could stay away from the media frenzy that continued to grow. Snacks and drinks were also provided to all the families as well. On February 25, 2008, classes resumed. On May 8, 2008, Northern Illinois University announced that Cole Hall would be completely remodeled inside and out. Surveys were passed around before asking students, faculty, and alumni if they would like to see the hall demolished and rebuilt or remodeled. The results were overwhelmingly for the hall to be rebuilt. On January 14, 2011, construction on Coal Hall had officially started, and on January 17, 2012, the new Coal Hall was reopened. The students whose lives were tragically taken will always remain in the hearts of the NIU students and staff. It's important for us to discuss mental health issues and how we can make the system better. It is up to each and every one of us to take a stand and speak up when we see something concerning or alarming. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Make sure to also check us out on social media. We have a newly formed discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at Active, the podcast and Twitter at Podcast Active. And for just a dollar a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout out on the show. Just go to www.patreon.com slash activethepodcast. Thank you, and be safe. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Ace is the only national retailer that carries Benjamin Moore paint, which means the paint you trust and a huge selection of colors are right in your neighborhood. And this Saturday only, you can pick up a free sample of Benjamin Moore at your local Ace. It's a great way to explore quality colors and find the perfect one for your place. So if you're looking for award-winning service and a new look for your home, look no further than Benjamin Moore Paint at Ace. Offer valid August 1st for Ace Rewards members. Limit one at participating stores while supplies last. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Ace is the only national retailer that carries Benjamin Moore paint, which means the paint you trust and a huge selection of colors are right in your neighborhood. And this Saturday only, you can pick up a free sample of Benjamin Moore at your local Ace. It's a great way to explore quality colors and find the perfect one for your place. So if you're looking for award-winning service and a new look for your home, look no further than Benjamin Moore paint at Ace. Offer valid August 1st for Ace Rewards members. Limit one at participating stores while supplies last.